0: Welcome to Resilient Minds 365. I'm Cleone Crawford, your host. Today we have a special guest with us. Today we have Bryn Bamber with us. Bryn is, let's talk about Bryn. Bryn has lived for years as a sensitive perfectionist with anxiety coursing through her veins and through core energetics. And she began to find the root cause of why she was so anxious and takes steps to drastically reduce her suffering. She works with deeply spiritual women to help them overcome imposter syndrome and make more money with the gifts through healing childhood habits, patterns, and trauma. Her story about the path to healing has been featured on The Tiny Buddha, Introvert, Deer, and The Courage Makers and the Rare Birds podcast. With that said, I present to you Bryn Bamber. Hey, Bryn, how are you today?
1: I am doing well. Just got back from a little tiny walk
0: around the neighborhood. Wicked. Awesome. It's a beautiful day outside. The sun is shining. Can't complain. It's a little chilly. A but- little chilly, but yeah beautiful, yeah, beautiful, beautiful day. Definitely, definitely. So Bryn, so tell us a bit more about your profession, what you do for a living.
1: So I'm a mental health professional trained in something called core energetics and core energetics, um, has, a, a like a talk component we'll say. So it's similar in some ways to talk therapy, um, as children, we have to choose attachment over authenticity. We have to maintain that connection to the grownups who raised us over our authentic expression at times, you know, not all of it, but parts of it, or, or sometimes a lot of it, depending on your, the household you grew up in. Um, and so part of it is t- talking about that, seeing what those patterns and habits are and seeing how they're impacting your life as an adult. I worked specifically with adults and then because sometimes to have a filling life we have to choose authenticity over attachment as adults so it's like when our neural pathways are forming and we're kids we're having to do it one way and then when we're adults it's almost like you have to flip the script right so we so we talk about those patterns and habits but then there's also a physical body component to what i do so an example of that is if you were five years old and you weren't allowed to be angry, you grew up in a household where anger wasn't welcome. Um, the the way that a child will stop that like authentic expression of anger, if they know there's going to be some sort of negative consequence when it happens, when they, when they, you know, they want to throw their arms in the air and, and tantrum and, and they know there's going to be some sort of negative consequence. The way that the child stops that is literally like tensing their shoulders, holding physically, like tensing the muscles to hold their arms down at their sides, holding their breath, slightly, you know, breathing shallow. And If you do that for years, or even some of us end up doing it for decades, Mm -hmm. you end up with chronic tension in the body. So Mm -hmm. folks who have suppressed anger have chronic tension in their shoulders, neck, jaw, hips. So core energetic, in addition to kind of talking about you know, talking about the stories of what happened and how that's impacting your life now, and do you want to make a change? And then we're also looking at how are those, those experiences impacting your body, and actually resolving them on a somatic, like on a body level, so that when you, you know, say, say, going with the suppressed anger example, you maybe you want to be more assertive at work, maybe you want to, assert your opinion when you disagree with your boss but you have this pattern of suppressed anger when it's still stored in your body it can be very difficult to even get the words out in that meeting but as we heal it on a body level Mm -hmm. that you know bringing your anger through your voice we also work with the voice It's, it's an area where a lot of people will sometimes have blocks um uh, you're able to, to actually make those changes
0: in your life. Cool. All right. Cool. It's yeah. very interesting. <laughs> yeah. So with that said, we'll go right into the interview now that we know exactly what you do. Um, so tell us more about your mental health diagnosis. Um, we know you haven't really been diagnosed, but you, you know exactly what has gone on in your life. So tell us more about what, what it is that you have lived through and um, when did you discover that?
1: Yeah, so I guess I'm self-diagnosed. I, I, we were talking a little bit in the pre-chat, I've never been to a, like a psychiatrist or someone who does diagnosis. Um, but I, th- I think for sure, anxiety disorder mm-hmm. um that that was a, a primary thing in my life and and I've been you know I spent many many years with very high anxiety and um I didn't even realize I think part of the reason I don't have a diagnosis is I didn't realize that not everyone had that much anxiety <laughs> you know, everyone talks about stress and being stressed and, you know, being in high school and I was stressed in high school and being in university, I was stressed in university and then getting a job and I was stressed at my job. And I was just like, I just am stressed. Everyone's stressed. I mean, uh, uh, now I know it's like we normalize. That's part of how we cope as we normalize whatever our our experience is. Mm -hmm. And so I definitely you know, I would have just been like, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm just a little stressed like everybody else. But now in a place where I have greatly reduced the amount of anxiety I feel, I'm like, oh, that was not a good,
0: not a good place, place right? mm-hmm. that
1: I was in. So I, I would say that that would be my self-diagnosis. Um, the other one we talked about briefly in the pre-chat as well is childhood PTSD. So, um, I, at age, I think I was around 29, um, was, I was actually doing my mental health training in core energetics. That's, that's my official title, Mm -hmm. the core energetics practitioner. And, um, we were studying trauma that happens very young, um, like like in the first year of life or even trauma that happens in the womb hmm. or, or during childbirth. Um, and I, in that class, started to, re- I started to realize and the rest of the class started to realize and my, and my teacher of the class started to realize I had the symptoms, I had all the symptoms. Wow. And so I sort of became like the... Um, like the example.
0: <laughs> uh, the poster child.
1: <laughs> In the class they'd be like oh you know or you know and I volunteered as well but um, I started to notice I had all these symptoms but I have no memory and I still to this day have no memory of the trauma and at that time I was um, yeah it was very like I mean, I mean, it was a very difficult thing to go through to kind of say, okay, so maybe something happened when I was young, but I don't, I don't have any conscious memory. And again, like suppressing memory is another mechanism that helps us cope and, um, is common when people have childhood trauma. Sometimes they don't have as many memories from childhood, which is one of my symptoms. Um, and so, I, yeah, I, I, I started to open up to the possibility that there, that something happened. And that was, I don't know, four or five years ago. Now I'm, I'm more at peace with it. I, I believe something happened. I have the symptoms. My nervous system knows I still have no conscious memory. And I've also learned that you don't need to have conscious memory to heal because core energetics works with the body works with the nervous system Mm -hmm. you can heal these experiences on a body level without intellectually understanding exactly what happened so so that yeah i would say those are my my self-diagnoses
0: okay so anxiety and child ptsd yeah okay great so maybe you can tell us more about your mental health story of resilience. What did you go through? Um, how did you cope and how did you rise from it?
1: Yeah, so um, we were also talking at the beginning of the call. I've always had very strong sco- coping skills. Um, you know, I was, I was a good student. I got mostly A's, you know, I, that, part of my life, I, I, I worked very hard and, um, you know, I was, I think, driven by my anxiety to do well, mm-hmm. which worked and in some ways I'm grateful for it. And, you know, when I look back now, it was a very painful way to live, to be driven by anxiety. Right. Um, and I, So I um, started to, in university, I started to learn more about the world and the state of the world kind of zoomed out of my, my little life. And, and I started to learn about, you know, oppression and all different kinds of things. Um, And I started to learn about like privilege and everything too. And, and so for a while, I also had this belief of like, oh, well, I'm privileged. I grew up in the first world and I'm white and you know I have all these things on my side and my parents are at that time we're together mm-hmm. and um and so but I started to kind of use that against me and be like well I don't deserve I don't deserve help I don't need help I just need to like make the world a better place and
0: mm-hmm.
1: and not get help for myself and so for me the real turning point where I actually started to get more help for myself was, um, when I was, uh, in my first job and I was working for a nonprofit and I was doing work that I felt was important and was meaningful, but I wasn't really taking care of myself. I was taking work home on the weekends and I was, um, yeah, just I, I made some mistakes and now I know I made those mistakes because I'm a human being but at that time I you know I wasn't able to forgive myself for some of the mistakes I made yes and so I ended up burning out so it's like I graduated from university I got this job I basically got my dream job you know and and I lasted a year and I burnt out Wow, And so that was my first like wake up call that I needed help, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, the, that the way I had been living wasn't sustainable. And so what I decided to do, I, I quit. I didn't really know, you know, it just didn't feel sustainable to stay at the job. I quit. Mm-hmm. And I ended up deciding to move to an ashram like a yoga a spiritual community based on the teachings of yoga Mm -hmm. and I ended up moving there and staying there for two years studying yoga studying meditation Um, I did a bunch of different things when I was there I did internships in all different ways I took courses and and I, that was the beginning of my healing journey was getting introduced to yoga, getting used to introduced to meditation. I remember, so we did yoga every morning at 7am. That was like part of the schedule and you had to go, you know, you were like, you weren't supposed to skip. And um, I remember when I started Shavasana, that pose at the end where you lie on your back, Mm -hmm. my anxiety was so intense that i hated it i hated to just lie on my back and do nothing like it was pain it was pain because then because if i was busy you know my coping was like to be busy or to be working i didn't feel my anxiety as much if i was like doing 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 and that that just lying on my back it would i would just feel it i would just feel the the pain of being highly anxious and one of the gifts doing that, doing yoga every day for two years, doing Shavasana every day for two years. Is by the end of my time there, I could enjoy, I was, I was able to relax in Shavasana. I was wow. able to actually lie on my back. And for the most part, maybe not every time, maybe once in a while, I would still have anxiety, but for the most part, I didn't hate, like when I started, when I moved there, I hated Shavasana. <laughs> <laughs> like, I hate this boat and then by the end, um, I had done enough healing that I could enjoy it.
0: That's good. That's good. I mean, it's really important to figure out what it is that works for you. Um, you know, in order to uh, facilitate your healing, and you know, to to rise back, I guess, from the from the I guess what do you call it? The ashes. um <laughs> <can call> it <laughs> the ashes. Yeah. yeah. Color from that. So what did you have um so we, we understand you went to um was it uh, ashram ashram mm-hmm. is that yeah. a, is that a is that a country is where is that
1: so i went to yashodra ashram which so ashrams are like spiritual communities so there are many many in india and they kind of that's where they come from
0: uh-huh
1: um but the ashram i went to is actually in canada it's in british Columbia, and it's called Yashodra Ashram. And um, the woman who founded it studied with a, a guru in India at an ashram in India. And he said to her after she had studied with him for a while, he said, go back to Canada and start an ashram. Yeah. Found your yeah. own. So I I believe it's the oldest ashram in Canada or, or, and maybe in North America it's been around for over 50 years and Mm -hmm. um, yeah, is in the Kootenai mountains of British Columbia. Super beautiful.
0: Yeah, definitely. British Columbia is a beautiful place. Really great place to kind of um, relax and kind of heal. Totally. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. So, so we understand you went to the ashram. So I was gonna, the next question I was going to ask is what did you have to do to overcome or, or bounce back? But we understand that that was one. Were there any other resources that you had to use to bounce forward from, your, um, from the anxiety and the, I guess, uh, PTSD and all the other stresses that were in your life?
1: Yeah. So I would say that was definitely my first you know, deep healing experience. And then my second, um, deep healing experience was finding core energetics, which was the thing I eventually trained in and that I now do with my own clients. So,
0: um,
1: yeah, I, so I, I, I had been living at the ashram, and I had I hadn't I hadn't moved there and thought like Oh, I'm going to live here for two years." It didn't work like that. I went initially. I went for a month. I did quit my job, so I knew I had the freedom to stay as long as I needed. But initially, I went for a month, and and I had a good experience, and then I extended for three more months, and then I you know step by step, and um, ended up being there for two years. But at, at a certain point. I had committed. I had been um, one of the things I did there was I ran the vegetable garden. So I, had, I was doing this internship, and I had I had said, "Okay, I'll stay until the end of October, which is when the garden closes, when every you know all the harvest is done, and we, you know, put mulch on the <laughs> beds, the garden beds, and 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 then it's done." And so, um. I was coming up, you know, it was coming up to my end date and I was feeling into my intuition, which was one of an, another practice I learned at the ashram to connect to my intuition about whether I wanted to extend. And I just was like, no, okay. I feel like this chapter is over for now. Maybe I'll go back at some point, but for now, I, you're done. I don't want to extend. Um, and I had heard about, um, this somatic psychotherapy or no this dance psychotherapy program mm. in um at Naroba university which is a buddhist university in, in boulder colorado wow and so i at that point i hadn't been working for two years i had been living at this ashram <laughs> and but I had found this program you know I met someone who went to Neuropa University and then I looked at it online and I found this dance psychotherapy program and I've I've um I'm a dancer I love dance Mm -hmm. and and I had also at the ashram started to study like kind of pop psychology and learn more about the mind and so I thought oh my goodness this is like the perfect school program for me but I didn't have any money because I had been living at an yeah, ashram.
0: Yeah, definitely
1: for two years. So, so I just was like, okay, I need to get a job. Like next step, <laughs> if I'm going to leave, I need to get a job. I wanted to do this program. I wanted to study, but it was in the U.S. too, so it was you know U.S. dollars, U.S. tuition, which is higher than um, here in Canada, and and so I ended up um getting rehired at the same nonprofit that I worked for before Mm -hmm. but I got hired at their uh Toronto office which is how I ended up here in Toronto and my idea was like I'm gonna go I'm gonna work I'm gonna save money and then I'm gonna do this master's program in dance uh psychotherapy and so I moved here you know I've never lived in Toronto before and um, started working and started, you know, saving what I could so that I'd be able to afford this master's degree, which was going to be like, uh, it's three years, each year is like 25,000 US. So it was like 75k. So it's
0: like a lot of money. Wow, that's expensive.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I like here I'm working and saving money. And, you know, I was starting to make friends in Toronto. And um, I do something called contact improv dance. So I was very involved in that community um, because I love that kind of dance and making friends. Mm -hmm. And uh, I became friends with this woman from my dance community and she was doing, she was studying core energetics. So she had been exposed to it. She had done it herself and now she was studying it and so she would like tell me about it and we would go, you know, we would dance and then we'd go for coffee after and she talk about it. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, but I wasn't super interested, but then she did like a free Friday night. She and uh, I think actually her husband actually ran this free Friday night where you could go and just try it out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I remember walking into the room, you know, it, this. this Location I'd never been to before, and just feeling at home, just in the energy of the room. I was just like, "Oh, I feel good here." And then it was this two and a half hour experience, and I had a really good experience.
0: Yeah, it was so wow.
1: Yeah, in in learning about myself and having some insights and getting support from some of the people who are there. I knew a couple people who were there, and. And it was this really positive experience. And so I was like, okay, I I, I like this. So then, you know, she she put on like a weekend, like a two day full day thing. Mm -hmm. And so I did that and I had a good experience there. And then I joined a weekly group. And so I started doing it and I started feeling the healing impacts of, you know, doing this body based kind of, um, healing modality. And, and so then I, um, I decided to sign up for the training program. I decided to switch. I just like switched. I thought I was going to go to this Buddhist university and do dance psychotherapy. And then I was like, no, I found this thing and it worked like I'm feeling the impacts on me. Mm -hmm. And it was similar enough, you know, it's, it's involving the body. It's involving also as well, like looking at the story of what happened to you as a child. And it just felt like, I was like, okay, the dance psychotherapy sounds amazing on paper, but I've never actually done it. I've done this. Mm -hmm. I know it works for me. So I just switched. Okay. And then, so really core energetics and doing this, you know, it's a four year part time training program, and you have to do so many hours of your own personal, like with your own personal core energetics practitioner and, mm-hmm. and that was deep. So it's, it, it's an intensive process. So that was deeply healing. And then that's when I had that experience I was telling you about earlier, where I started to realize, oh, I have some sort of childhood trauma, it's suppressed. And, and just starting to be aware of that started to let me to heal it through my body. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was kind of step one was like the ashram, yoga, meditation, you know, all of that. And then step two for me was really this core energetics, looking looking a little bit more clearly about what happened in my childhood with the memories that I do have Mm and yeah um and and also doing some healing on a on a physical body level
0: okay okay wow so my next question for you is what are three things you wish you had available when you were at your lowest point
1: yeah okay I don't remember what I wrote in the form so I'm just gonna free free form it I hope that's okay
0: that's totally fine with me. <laughs> okay.
1: Um, what are three things I wish I had available at my lowest point? I mean, I think one of the things that has been the most healing for me and that is hard, even now at times it's hard, is to, to, to be
0: proud of myself
1: mm-hmm.
0: affirmation yeah. self-affirmations yeah
1: to be kind I think for a long time I was very hard on myself and I didn't take time to celebrate my achievements I didn't go to my university graduation you know I didn't oh, wow. it didn't feel like it's like I could have gone but it would have been inconvenient so I was like ah, oh, whatever I don't need to I actually I think I didn't even go to my high school graduation so mm-hmm. I wasn't very good at like you know like high school's. can I swear on this podcast no okay <laughs> uh, high school is hard I'll say it without a swear yeah that's cool. that's cool <laughs> high school is hard and so I I um you know, now I'm like I'm proud of myself for getting through that. Yes, that was, you know, it's it's hard academically, but it's also hard just like socially. I think the yes. hardest part for me was the social part. High school. Definitely, definitely. And it's like, you know, I I wish I could have been proud of myself at mm-hmm. those moments, and and taken a moment to, yeah, just honor myself. Um, Another, so you need, so that's number one. Number two is um, knowing that it's okay to have bad days.
0: Yes, that's very important.
1: That it's okay. Uh, I I actually only realized this a few months ago that I had some sort of thought in my head that people with like confident people or like people with like high self-esteem, I thought those people never had bad days. (laughs) I thought to be like confident and to have high self-esteem like I should never feel bad right and it's like I think as far as I can tell that's impossible Mm -hmm. even like all my role models all the people who I look up to they have bad days they have moments when they don't feel well and or feel you know their emotions are are not feeling good and to just know that that's okay nothing has gone wrong it just means you're human you wake up and you have a heaviness in your heart you're a human being right not that you're not broken you're not you know so i wish i could do that I wish I had known that. And number three, what would I have wanted to have at my lowest point? I guess I don't know if I, I don't know if this like counts, but like <laughs> what's coming to me is like I wish I had I had like friends that I felt comfortable talking to.
0: Yes, that's honestly. actually very important. Yeah
1: which I, I think to a degree I did and maybe to a degree I didn't, but I wish I had a
0: community that, that really. Understood you. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that one because I mean, that's actually one of the most important things when you're at your lowest points, your support system is very important. You know what I mean? Like who you yeah. surround yourself with. It's, it's crucial. Very crucial because those people can speak into your life. They can actually, or they can, when they speak into your life, they can speak positively or negatively, and that can cause you to spiral down, even get even worse. So it's very important to have the right circle around you. So that way you can actually, um, you know, move towards healing and to, and, and to progress, you know? So, yeah yeah so my next question is um so what words of hope would you give to our listeners what would you tell them um, if they had a mental health challenge I guess
1: yeah I think I would say some of the same things I would say it's okay you're not alone you know many of us suffer and and Depend, you know, it's like, obviously I don't know who, exactly who I'm talking to, but I imagine there's certain things I can relate to mm-hmm. struggling with. And actually one of my, um, one of the, like the purposes of my life, or like, I feel like my life's mission is to, is to tell people who have trauma that, that they can do whatever the fuck they want. <laughs>
0: I oh, I swore. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all good. You did. It's all right. It's all good. We can do but, whatever we want. That's it. Thank okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, do whatever people who have trauma can do whatever they want. Right. Whatever they want. And and yes, you know, we need support and 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 you might need healing and you might need shoulder to cry on and you you know we're not supposed to do it alone you're not supposed to do it alone and and there are supports out there right and you can do whatever you want whatever your dream is
0: amazing you can do it
1: in a way that feels good to you and,
0: and honoring you
1: and is honoring you and i think you know from my own experience with this it's like i think sometimes when you're um I have this concept I talk about that I call like trauma brain, like the part of my brain that was traumatized. It's like not my whole brain, but part of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And my trauma brain thinks that like, maybe I can do whatever I want, but it's going to be really hard. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can do whatever you want. and It can be easy. It can be like, not that it's easy. Like, I don't mean that like, it's like, oh, it's no problem. It's a walk in a park. And every day you feel like rainbows and daisies. Like, no, but, but I think, I think the part of me that went through trauma thinks it has to be like back, back breakingly hard Mm -hmm. and that it can be much easier than that. I still have to show up, you know, I still have to put myself out there and I have hard days. But, but that you, that, that it doesn't have to be backbreaking. It doesn't have to be, you know, the way, whatever your past experiences were.
0: Right. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. So with that said, we are going to switch up just a little bit. We are going to talk about my favorite um, topic, which is music, music therapy. <laughs> and as you can see behind me there's a book that's called the music of my life which is st- where I talk about my journey with um with um bipolar and music therapy and how it helped so my question to you is what type of music do you like so
1: I I like a bunch of different t- kinds of music sometimes when I'm in a like very chill peaceful place I like like folk music that kind of thing and then uh recently when I'm like amped up I like like pop and like rock and I recently I've been listening to like a lot of 80s I've been listening to this like 80s uh playlist on Spotify yes love it love it gets me going yeah
0: okay wicked I'm an 80s baby, so I love the 80s. Love it, love it, love it. All right. So if you were to think of a song that describes your journey, what would it be and why?
1: Yeah, so I'm glad you reminded me of this.
0: Yes. (laughs) In
1: our pre-chat, because it's such a good song. So um, the song that I chose is Rise Up by Andra Day. Mm Mhm. And... Yeah. I I think the reason why is that, yeah, it it hasn't always been easy. And and I have had, you know, many days where it's been hard to keep going or, you know, keep working towards the life that I want. Mm -hmm. And so I love that message of rising up day after day for the life that i want for the world that i want to yeah there's something about you know whatever pain or suffering or challenge it's worth it
0: to work towards the life that i want cool that's a good message that's a good message So Bryn, how can we stay in touch with you? What are your social media handles?
1: Yeah, so I am um, on Instagram. I'm at Bryn underscore Bamber, which is B-R-Y-N underscore B-A-N as in mother, B as in Bob, E-R. I'm on Facebook. I'm Bryn Bamber. You're welcome to add me as a friend there or like my you know, business page um, on LinkedIn. I'm also Bryn Bamber. And I also have a free anxiety training for anyone else who anxiety is part of what they struggle with, uh, which you can find at tinyurl.com slash anxiety training. It's 10 minutes long and it is a a training to be done in the moment when you're feeling the anxiety. It's 10 Mm -hmm. minutes. And um, my experience with that and my client's experience with it is that it doesn't always make that anxiety go away, Mm -hmm. but it, it reduces it. It gives you a little space. So you have room to breathe and also room to make the decision you need to make. Often when we're having anxiety, it's like there's something that happened and we have to decide what to do. And so that just gives you a little breathing space so you can face whatever's happening
0: in your life. Amazing. Amazing. All right. Well, thank you so very much, Bryn. You, um, it was such a pleasure just having you on our show. And um, so and to all you resilient minds out there until next time, Please subscribe to us on all our platforms and don't forget to rate the show and leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts. Also join the community of Resilient Minds and sign up for our monthly newsletter at cleonicrawford.com. Be sure to grab a copy of my book, The Music of My Life on all Amazon marketplaces and to get to know me better. And if you can think of one person that will receive value from today's show or connect with Bryn Bamber's testimonial, please share it with them. Feel free to take a screenshot of this week's episode of the podcast and tag us on Instagram. You can tag myself at Oni or Resilient Minds 365 on Instagram and today's guest at Bryn underscore Bamber. And remember, (laughs) mental health is not a death sentence. Despite your illness, you can strive, thrive, and live a life of abundance. Until next time, I'm Cleone Crawford and I'm signing off.